On Sunday mornings at Northside, we are in a series called Just Like Jesus. And the purpose of that series, uh, every single lesson we've said, is to walk and to emulate the life of Jesus. Not to, in the sense of being perfect, but in the sense of doing what he did. Looking at the, at the things which were uh, in place in his life and how we can put those things into practice in our lives. First uh, John chapter 2 tells us that if, we, if anyone obeys his word, that God is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. How are we to know how Jesus lived? Quite simply, we have to open up God's word. We have to understand God's word and then not only just understand it, but apply it and put it into our lives. This is so crucially important. I can confess to you this morning that Northside is not a cool church. Uh, we don't have laser light shows and fog machines and electric guitars and all sorts of stuff that you might see in some large churches because we just want to look at what the Bible says to do and, and do that. We are a simple church. We want to keep things biblical and, and, and align ourselves in our worship, in our lives, and in everything we do with what the Word says we don't think you have to get really fancy beyond that. Uh, if you're visiting with us, you may have been around to other churches and, and have seen all of the different methods that used to bring people in. What we want to do at Northside is simply tell you the truth and, and give you the simple, uh, reasonable, perfectly inspired truth of God. Because we believe when you know that, and more importantly, when you do that, your life will be blessed. We don't need a lot of gimmickry around the Word of God. We just need to give you the Word of God. So when we looked at the Word of God and the life of Jesus as described in Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, we've looked at some different fundamentals of Jesus' life, how he had to humble himself, how he served others, how he worked to develop disciples, how he pressed on despite what he faced, and he sought to finish well. That's his purpose and so when we look at that purpose, we can look at some things for our lives. Uh, you've probably read in the news or watched it or tweeted about it, uh, uh, the news about an actor uh, named Jesse Smollett. Uh, Jesse Smollett uh, has had a pretty crazy past couple of months. Uh, in late January, uh, he expressed that something terrible, something shocking, something disgusting had happened to him, that uh, late that evening, about three in the morning, in the middle of a polar vortex, uh, he was on his way or coming from, I don't remember which, subway, and uh, there he was attacked, uh, he claimed, by two uh, white people he didn't know, that they uh, poured a chemical on him, they put a noose around his neck, and rightly so, the nation was just shocked and aghast and could not believe uh, that this would happen. And, and, and rightly said, justice must be brought to those who did this hor horrific, awful thing. And then the facts came to light. Uh, police in the Chicago Police Department looked at the facts. Uh, they looked at the video. They looked at uh, all of the evidence they had. And they said, but what Mr. Smollett claimed did not happen. As near as we can tell from the facts, 
what happened was, as near as we can tell from the facts, that Mr. Smollett colluded with two Nigerian brothers that he knew. He wrote them a check and he paid them to stage this horrific, terrible uh, event. When the Chicago Police Department, the grand jury, everybody involved looking at the facts, they weighed the evidence and they said, yes, that is correct. They, they concluded that Mr. Smollett lied. Now, even as of this week, because of his politics, because of his fame, because of his wealth, because of just having connections with the right people, it, all the charges were dropped, despite the fact that that he cost the city of Chicago hundreds of thousands of dollars, uh, put lots of people into uh, just a, a moral outrage uh, because uh, this whole thing turned out to be a falsehood. Now, this is not the first time or the last time that someone will lie and be accused of lying and be caught in the lie in a public sense, okay? Uh, it'll probably happen next week, next month, next year. Uh, we look backwards. Uh, we look at guys like Bill Clinton. We look at guys like Richard Nixon. We can tell, you know, lying, especially among seems like political figures, is a pretty popular thing to do. But why, my question is, why all the hubbub? I mean, why the outrage over this event, the, this fictionalization, uh, this lie? What, what, what is the problem? What is the, I mean, wasn't, in fact, Jesse simply living his truth? We understand that there is something within culture, this idea of your truth and my truth and his truth and her truth, that just doesn't jive. That when something happens and it violates the truth, it makes us, it just rubs us all the wrong way. If you're a parent, you know this. Uh, I've told my children many times, you can almost do anything under the sun, but do not lie to me. Because the most horrible, awful thing that happens when someone lies is that forever, again and again, the next time you tell something, and it may be all entirely true, but the, the next time something happens, everyone in their mind says that knew you lied before says, uh, is that really true this time? God forbid that something happened to Mr. Smollett just exactly like he uh, claimed happened on January 29th. Let's say that that happened for real. What would happen now? Ah, the boy who cried wolf. People would think, oh, is he really telling the truth this time? You see, the problem with lying is it violates our credibility. And all of this demonstrates one simple point. Despite the world's attempt to make truth relative and subjective, followers of Jesus, followers, seekers of God have always known that truth matters. And then when you violate truth, it violates something within our core. It violates something within us. So if we're following Jesus and we're seeking God, the first thing we want to do is to seek the truth. Truth is not relative to a person. Despite what you hear in culture, it is not your truth and my truth. It is not just a subjective, relative thing. There is the truth. And we have to seek that out. I've done this before, but uh, we'll go ahead and see if we can do it again. I want you all to close your eyes and bow your heads. Now, while you have your eyes closed and your heads bowed, or your eyes bowed and your heads closed, either way, 
I want you to take your right or left hand and point in the direction of north. Point in the direction of no, no peaking, okay? But I want you to raise up and point to the direction of north. Okay, now open your eyes. Keep your hands pointed. You can see clearly who you should not be following to church. How is it that some of you go to north side? And you're, where's the north is that way? If you point to, if you get out a compass that will tell you the truth, it will point you to the way that's true. Truth is not the majority opinion. If I had asked you to do that and everyone had been pointing that way, I still would have told you that north is that way because that's what is true. True is true whether everyone agrees with it or not. True is always true. At one time, think about this, at one time the majority of the scientific community believed that the earth was at the center of the solar system. At one time the majority of the scientific community believed that the earth was flat. Now, that wasn't the majority view, and so everybody went along with the majority view. But a guy named Galileo Galilei said, no, no, that is not true. And so he showed them what was true, not what was popular. And that's important for us to understand. There is an absolute truth. Now, guys, in uh, anywhere from five to one year... One to five years, you're going to go to college and you may have a professor who will proudly proclaim that there is no absolute truth. And the only and best response to that is, are you sure? Because it sounds to me like he or she is saying something that they profess to be true. There is absolute truth. If you want to open with me in your Bibles to the book of John, we're going to look at a prayer that Jesus prayed to his father right before he went to the cross. And as he prays, he says this about his disciples. I do not ask that you take, this is on page 1159, by the way, in the Pew Bible, if you care to follow along. John chapter 17, verse 17. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. This word, of course, this wasn't written when Jesus spoke it. The New Testament wasn't. But the word of God is true. It is the guide. And if we'll seek the guide, we'll find the way home. But only if the guide is telling the truth. If you care to follow along, John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus referred to Satan as the father of lies. From the very beginning, he has been questioning the veracity and the truthfulness of what God really says. Now, it's so important that we pay attention to what God says. The, the sweetest sound I hear is, and I know some of you do it on your digital devices, but the, the sound of pages flipping in the auditorium. Do you know why? Because I know what you are doing in that moment is seeking the truth. And that's important. That'll be a blessing for you. 
And when we pay attention to the world, we understand that the, Satan is the father of lies. And when we see someone lying, they are taking after Satan's way. The enemy, enemy is constantly eroding and shifting and, and saying truth is not maybe what you think it is, but it always is. So when, when you, I want to give you this challenge to think about this week. When you hear it on the news, when you read it on your phone, when you watch it on television, when you scroll past it on your iPad, I want you to ask yourself just one question. Is this true? Not do you like it, not do you believe it, not does this align with my worldview, not is this popular, but is this true? Consider, for example, the Berean Christians. The story of them is told in Acts chapter 17. Followers of Jesus seeking to do what you and I are doing, being just like Jesus, this is so interesting, page 11, 1188, Pew Bible, Acts chapter 17, verse 11. Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness. These would be people filling out the outlines, and, and they would go up after, after worship, and they'd say, man, preacher, that was a good sermon, and, and we really appreciate that. But they did something more. They examined the scriptures daily to see if what Paul said was true. Did you capture that? The Apostle Paul. And this is possible if the Apostle Paul could, could come back and, and preach to us this morning. How many of you would say, man, that's the Apostle Paul. He wrote most of the New Testament inspired by the Spirit. And I mean, whatever he says surely must be true. And yet there were these followers of Jesus who didn't just accept what Paul said because Paul said it. They were opening their scrolls. I don't know. They were looking and examining the promises of Scripture to see not if the Scriptures aligned with what Paul said, but if what Paul said aligned with what the Scripture said. They were seeking the truth. You see, when your view, whatever it is, conflicts with God's view, your job as quickly as possible is to change your opinion. Your job is to align yourself with the truth. I'll give you an example of that when I was about 13 years old. Very young, very immature Christian. Did not know a lot of the Bible. I was still cutting my teeth. And I will not forget, I was listening to a preacher preach. And he was going on in the sermon. And he said something about the death penalty. And he said that, you know, the death penalty is, is uh, authorized right in the Bible for governments to use as a tool to govern the people. And I thought, that is the most absurd thing I've ever heard in my life. And I couldn't believe nobody was standing up in protest. Everybody was just seemed to be going along with it. And so I went with all the audacity of a 13-year-old right up to that preacher. And I said, you said that the death penalty was okay. And it's, it's authorized right there in the Bible. And, and I was, I, I hope I wasn't too uh, uh, rude or anything like that. But uh, he, he was very gentle, very patient. He said, Toby, uh, it is right there in Scripture. What I want you to do is this. I want you to go home. I want you to open your Bible to Romans chapter 13. 
And I just want you to read that whole chapter. If you'll do that for me, we'll talk again about it tonight. Now, he didn't give me any fancy or persuasive arguments. He didn't show me the eloquence of his own wisdom. All he did was tell me to open God's word. And a 13-year-old went home with all the audacity and believing that I was in the right, and I opened up God's word and realized, oh, so that's the truth. Now, that's a simple example. I, I went to church that night, and I didn't need to have a, an extended conversation. I understood that what God said was true, and that what I understood was not true. Because then I begin to align myself with God's word. That's a simple example. But we got to be committed as people, not just to hearing the truth, not just to listening to the truth, not just to hear it on the podcast or watching it online, but, but to being willing to adapt and to mold myself to what is true. Once you're committed to seeking the truth, the next step is you've got to speak the truth. Therefore, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members with one another. An example in culture today. Um, There are a lot. It's increasingly popular for a boyfriend and a girlfriend to act like married people without being married people. And I've had to tell some sincere folks that I I can't marry you because I believe what's true. It's not that I don't love you. It's that I believe God's plan says that the relationship, the intimate relationship between a husband and wife was meant to be a husband and wife. It's not a bad thing. It's not an evil thing. It's not a disgusting thing. God created that, but he designed it to be in the covenant of marriage. Oh, breaks my heart. When I watch people go off into sin, knowing that it's sin... Because what they're doing in that moment is saying, God, I know better than you. I know you said, but I know better. What they're doing is aligning themselves to themselves and not aligning themselves to the truth. You see, my job is to speak the truth. But you need to understand that it's not just my job. If you're a follower of Christ, we are to speak the truth to one another. And when we do that, we keep truth in step. Beyond just that, Colossians chapter 3, verse 9, if you're following along, says, do not lie to one another, seeing that you put off the old self with its practices and have become and put on the new self. Think about this. Jesus told his followers the truth. Jesus... (laughs) You never had to guess where you stood with Jesus. He spoke the truth and he didn't sugarcoat it. And that was with Pharisees and teachers of the law. Yes, he called them broods of vipers. And he said, repent, bear fruit. Uh, but, but that was also with his own followers. Jesus turned to, to Peter who loved him and who was sincere as this all get out. And when he said, Jesus, no, 
You will, they will, this will never happen to you, Lord. You're not going to go to that cross. You're not meant to die. Jesus turned to him and said, away from me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God. Sometimes we get this picture of Jesus that he just, oh, just oh, love everybody and just give everybody a hug. Never be a thing. We'll be okay. That is not, that is people who do not understand the, the truth of the picture of who Jesus was. Jesus told the truth all the time, and he said the truth when it need, needs to be said. Now, everyone loves the truth, right? Everybody wants to hear the truth. Until the truth steps on your toes, and then you get mad at the messenger. <laughs> then you go, that guy? I don't want to be part of that guy. If I say something that's untrue, that's one thing. And I hope immediately, if I ever, ever from this pulpit or from any other place in this building, teach something that is untrue, that as quickly as possible, you will come to me in a spirit of gentleness and love and say, what you said is not true. But if what I said just upset you, just stepped on your toes, just made you mad, maybe it's not me you have the issue with. Maybe it's just the truth. You know, everybody loves the truth until you step on the bathroom scale, you know, in that moment. What? Come on! Everybody loves the truth until it's time to do a budget. What do you mean this is all we have? You see, we claim to like the truth until the truth sort of cuts us or tells us something that we don't like. Jesus told Jesus, Jesus told the truth all the time. And do you know, I wish I could tell you that when you tell the truth all the time, that it will always go well for you. But do you need to understand what I'm saying to you? When Jesus told the truth all the time, look what happened to Jesus. Telling the truth does not always lead you to a great place, but it's the right thing to do. And so, as we speak the truth, let me give you this one caveat, because there are some people who love the truth, and they love slapping people upside down the head every sort of way of their life with the truth. We need to understand as we speak the truth, there is a, uh, needs to be some wisdom involved. There was a man who was trying to give his dog some medicine. Back up one slide. Don't get ahead of me here. There was a man who was <laughs> trying to, to, to feed his dog some medicine that the dog desperately needed. It was liquid form, and if any of you have any dogs, you tried to do this. And, he, and, he, and the dog would not take it. He didn't want the liquid. And the man had his arm around the, the, the dog's head, trying to hold it, trying to pry his jaws open to get the medicine into, force the, the medicine that the dog needed into his mouth, and he wouldn't take it. In the process of doing all this, he spilled all of the medicine that was on the spoon onto the floor, and he let go, and he was so frustrated, and in a moment of frustration, the dog simply licked up the medicine off the floor. That is simply a simple, silly story to tell you this. Sometimes it's not the message, but the method that we deliver the truth. See, there's a way to deliver the truth, and Jesus did this so well, and this is exactly what Paul wrote. Now you can go to that next slide, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. Instead, 
speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, with, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We need to speak the truth, but the New Testament admonishes us to do as Jesus did, to speak the truth with a love for people's souls, not for a desire to be right. When, when you speak the tr- truth, think about this for a second. You ever speak the, do you ever hear truth from a person who just speak in truth just to show you how smart they are? And just to show you how much better they are than you? So that they can just prove a point? So that they can be in the right? Do you speak the truth to prove a point to be in the right? Do you speak the truth out of spite or self-defense? Do you speak the truth because you're hurt to show off, to be an instigator? When do you speak the truth? Maybe a better question is, why do you speak the truth? Mature people... Speak hard truths in a loving way. Jesus spoke truth because he loved every single person he taught. Whether it was one-on-one with Peter or whether it was to a massive crowd on the side of a mountain. He loved the people and he loved them enough to tell them the truth. And when you consider that you have a truth that needs to be said, whether it's in the, in the workroom around the break table, whether it's with a neighbor across the fence, whether it's with someone in your family, may you remember it's not just the message, but the method. May you speak the truth in love. There's a way we, we understand that. When, when, you're, when you understand that your preacher loves you and he wants you to go to heaven and he wants you to be with God, you understand that he speaks the truth from a different place than from a person who's just trying to impress you with how much he can speak, how much he can say, what illustrations he can make. That is a totally different place. So may we speak the truth in love even when that truth is hard to hear. And if you don't know how to do that, If your grandmother is still in your life, even if she's not in your life, you need to think of your grandmother. I don't know why grandmothers have this unusual, innate ability to tell you that they love you with all their heart. And they'll make as much food for you as you can possibly eat. But they will, in the most loving, kind, sweetest, and gentle way, tell you when you are being an idiot. They speak the truth in love. May we do the same. And finally, we got to commit not just to seeking the truth, not just to speaking the truth, but may we surrender to the truth. Jesus spoke with candor. Why? Because truth is the only thing that will set you free. Jesus said, you will, you will know the truth. The scripture was read, verse 32. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Sometimes the truth will make you uncomfortable. Sometimes the truth will make you mad. But the truth is the only thing that will set you free. That's why Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The truth cannot set us free unless we yield to it.
unless we align ourselves to it. Unless we say, that's north, I want to go north. So I turn my wheel of my little life and go north. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet we walk in the darkness, John says. If we claim to have fellowship with Jesus and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not live by the It's not just knowing it. It's not just seeking it. It's not just speaking it. It's surrendering to it. This morning, I I, I want to ask you if you're willing to surrender your life to the truth. You see, hearing the truth won't cut it. Knowing the truth is not enough to be effective. You've got to live a life surrendered to the truth. Let me tell you, I love God's word. But there are times when I read God's word, I tell you to love your enemies. And to pray for those who persecute you. Jesus, I didn't want to hear that today. But you see, the truth is the only thing that will set me free. And the truth is the only thing that will set you free. Hearing Jesus won't cut it. Hearing about Jesus won't cut it. Filling out the, the, the outline won't cut it. Knowing the truth won't cut it. You have to live a life surrendered fully to Jesus. To know him, you've got to submit to him. To love him means to obey him. And so can I just give you one last teaching of Jesus? Mark chapter 16, verse 16. Here is the truth speaking the truth. Jesus said, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. And it's just what Jesus said. That's the truth. And if you do not know Jesus, or if you think you know Jesus, but you haven't obeyed Jesus, I want to invite you this morning to surrender yourself to the truth. If you're ready to walk in the truth, if you're ready to live by the truth, if you're ready to submit to Jesus today, I want to ask you, don't wait, don't leave, don't think about it, don't ponder it. Just ask yourself, what is true? And then follow it up with, am I living by it? Am I surrendering to it? If you haven't surrendered yourself to Jesus and you're ready to do that this morning, you simply need to confess that he is Lord, to believe in your heart that he is and to profess that with your mouth. And then we'll immerse you into the water for the forgiveness of your sins, just like Jesus taught. Maybe you've done that and you've been living in ways that are untrue. You've been living a lie. You've been letting Satan deceive you. You can, you can escape the lie, and you can escape the liar who tells them. All you have to do is submit to the truth. This morning, if your heart is ready, if you are ready, I invite you to submit to what is true. If you have a need this morning, please come as together we stand and sing.